Dear Sangha, today is the 26th January 2014. We are in the Assembly of Stars, Lower Hamlet, Dominica Temple, Winter Retreat 2013-2014. Every time we have difficulties, when we communicate with other people, with another person, what can we do? Why do we have these difficulties? Why can we why we cannot communicate with that person? Usually we think it's the other person's fault. And not ours. We blame the other person. because we, we don't see the difficulties of the other person. And if we look at ourselves, we also see that we also have our difficulties, that both sides have difficulties. And therefore, we look at, we have to look at ourselves and look at the other person to discover the difficulties that we are having and the other person is having. What kind of difficulties? The most basic difficulties is, is that sometimes we can't communicate with ourselves. We don't understand ourselves. In our body, there are conflicts. And we cannot resolve them. And the large majority of us uh, run away from ourselves. We read novels, we watch television. We go online to the internet. Perhaps these are these are ways for us to uh, run away from ourselves. Because in ourselves, there may be loneliness, uh, grief, sadness, anger, uh, emptiness. that we cannot bear. So we have to look for something else to cover up. Uh, we, we looked in the direction of the internet, movies, music, books, magazines, etc. This means that we are not at peace with ourselves. We cannot communicate with ourselves. 
Therefore, uh, therefore, if we cannot communicate with the other person, then that's normal. Because we can't understand ourselves, cannot communicate with ourselves, let alone with the other person. So if we blame the other person, then it's, it's injustice. And just with this insight, which insight? This insight, this insight already have uh, helped us to feel lighter. Which insight? The insight that the other person has difficulties, and that the other person cannot communicate with her herself or himself, and that we too have difficulties. We cannot communicate with ourselves, and that. And that if we have difficulties with the other person, uh, then it's normal. That so we don't blame the other person, and we don't blame ourselves. And we um, and then we have a deep desire to return to ourselves, to understand ourselves, to communicate with ourselves. And the large majority of us do not want to go back to ourselves because it's frightened to ha to face the uh, this emptiness the loneliness uh, anxiety uh, despair so returning to uh, ourselves is a very courageous act And sometimes you need a friend, a practitioner, a co-practitioner. We need a sangha. We need a a, sang, a community that practices to support us to come back to ourselves. Because these sufferings, this feeling of emptiness, are very great. And if we come back by ourselves, we may be overwhelmed by them. So we need, we need the strength, the strength of the other person of the community to support us to come back, to recognize our suffering, our despair. Our breathing. When, when we focus on our breathing, we breathe in. And while breathing in, we bring our mind back to our body. This is a practice of returning. Returning uh, with on by the rightful path, the right path, which is the breathing. And if our friends, our, uh, our co-practitioners, if they practice breathing and walking with us, then they are supporting us on our our return. We breathe in with mindfulness in order to come back to ourselves and our. Our friends, our co-practitioners are practicing 
breathing and supporting us and encourage us to come back to ourselves. And the, the, the methods to practice are simple enough so that everybody can do them. If you really concentrate on the breathing, then you already have the strength. This is called concentration. Uh, you breathe and you know that you're breathing. This is mindfulness. You know and you're concentrating on the breathing wholeheartedly. Concentrating all our hearts and mind on the breathing. This is called concentration. Uh, and then we can cultivate uh, an inner strength. First of all, we recognize our body. Breathing in, I know I have a body. This is the third exercise of the, the uh, sutra on mindful breathing. Breathing in, I am aware of my body. In our body, there are pain or tension. And if there are pain and tension, then there's no peace. So when we breathe in and out mindfully, we have the opportunity to let go of the tension in our body. In while sitting, in sitting posture, while walking, or while uh, lying down. This breathing, this mindful breathing can help us to relax and to bring peace to our body. We take care of our body first. And our mind, such as uh, our anger, our loneliness, our emptiness, we'll take care of that later. But first we take uh, care of the body first. This is called mindfulness of the body. And our breathing is part of the body. When we breathe in and concentrate on the breathing, then, then the breathing is the object. And the main object of, of our mind. At the beginning, the breathing may not be very peaceful. Our breathing may be very um, uh, rushed. Our breathing is not very peaceful because in our body there are tensions. In our mind there is sadness. So our breathing is not very peaceful. So when we breathe in and out, 
at the beginning when we practice, uh, we practice to bring our, our, our mind and look at our breathing, concentrating on the breathing. At first, we can see that our breathing is not very peaceful, not very deep, not very gentle. The quality of our breathing is very weak. But the truth is, is that if we are continue to practice breathing, our breathing becomes gentle, becomes deeper. This is for sure. If we are able to maintain our mindfulness concentration, uh, meaning that we are just concentrating, focusing on our breathing, then this is this is the this is the the practice based on the gata in out deep slow. In out deep slow. Breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I know I'm breathing out. This is the first exercise. It's recognizing the breathing, uh, the in-breath and the out-breath. It's very simple. It's a, uh, it's play for children. I breathe in and I know this is an in-breath. It's not an out-breath. I breathe out and I know this is an out-breath. It is not an in-breath. Anybody can do that. But if we can do it, then our dispersion, the state of dispersion of the mind ceases. Because we are focusing, concentrating on the breathing, and we know that this is an in-breath. We know that this is an out-breath. This is the practice of recognition. When we, we can do this, this is concentration. And concentration is the opposite of dispersion. When, when our mind is dispersed and we breathe in and out and recognize the in-breath and out-breath, then we have concentration. This is easy enough so that everybody can do that. So mindfulness, concentration and insight are not something um, up in the clouds, but it's something here and now that anybody can practice. And just practice like that. This is an in-breath. This is an out-breath. No, no thinking, just breathing and aware that this is an in-breath. This is an out-breath. This is the practice of recognizing the in-breath and out-breath. And if you can breathe for two minutes like that, then the quality of your in-breath and out-breath will be better. We don't need to struggle. We don't need to force. But the but naturally the breathing and the in-breath becomes deeper and the out-breath becomes slower. This is the second practice. Breathe in. I recognize my 
in breath becomes deeper. At the beginning, it's only two seconds, and then three seconds, and four seconds. Breathe in. I see my in breath becomes deeper. Breathe out. I see that my out breath becomes slower, more relaxing. This is the quality of the breathing has improved, has increased, and this takes a minute. Takes a minute to happen. If we breathe in for one minute, we can already make our breathing. The quality of our breathing becomes uh, improved. Breathe in. I know I'm breathing. Breathe out. I know I'm breathing out. Breathing in, I see my breath, my in breath has become deeper. Breathe out, I know my out breath has become slower. So our breathing becomes more peaceful and more at ease. And when our our breathe breathing is at peace and and more at ease, then it affects. Our mind, because body and mind are one, are connected. This is when we intervene with the body. When there is some breathing, uh, some peace in the breathing, then we can use this breathing to offer to the body. And the third exercise in this um, breathing sutra is that breathing in. I'm aware of my body. Breathing out, I let go. Of the tension in my body, we have done this already with the breathing. At first, our breathing is very tense, uh, very rushed, very um, not peaceful. But after a few seconds, uh, um, it calms down. It's more peaceful, and the same with our body. At the beginning, there's a lot of tension in our body. But, but if we continue to practice like that and aware of the body and embrace our body with our breathing, then the tension in our body are released. This is then there is peace in our body. This is the practice of peace. And so, when we sit in meditation, what do we do? When I went to the uni- university in uh, Colombia, what to teach? I, a professor asked Thai, "What do you do when you sit?" He was curious to know what we do, what we do when we. When we sit, but in sitting meditation, there are very basic things that we can do. First of all, the most basic thing is to um, to harmonize our breathing.
regulating the breathing, calming about the breathing, harmonizing the breathing. Yutuk is uh, harmonizing the body at the breathing. So when we sit down, the first thing we do is is to harmonize the breathing, to calm down the breathing. And it means to take care of the breathing so that it's not uh, so rushed and so that it can calm down, so that it can be peaceful. And the second thing is to harmonize in the body, calm in the body. Our posture is upright and not rigid. There's no tension in the body. It's upright but soft. And these two things go together. The breathing and the body go together. And, and for those who are familiar with sitting, it takes a few minutes to calm the body and, and breathe in. And then we can go deeper into the contemplation so that we can have more peace, more joy in the practice. Phapla is the joy, the happiness of the Dharma. Dharma joy. Dharma happiness. So when we sit, if we, if we have slept enough, then while sitting in meditation, we will definitely have, have joy in the Dharma, Dharma joy, Dharma happiness. We have joy and happiness while sitting. And this joy and happiness is not brought to us by other people, but, comes, but they come from our practice. At first, we harmonize and calm our breathing, and then, and then we calm and, and harmonize our body, and it brings peace to our body and to our breathing. And we can stay with our body uh, as long as we like. Because in our daily life, we neglect our body too much. For example, when we, when we sit for two hours in front of our computer, we forget that we have a body. We forget completely that we have a body. And during these two hours, much tension is accumulated in the body. But because you get sucked into the computer, so even if even if tensions are accumulated in the body, but you are not aware of it. You neglect your body, so you don't have peace. You lose your peace. And so in Plum Village, we have 
we use the mind, we we install the mindfulness bell in um, in the computer so that it every fifteen minute it rings so that we can stop working and breathe in and out mindfully. We bring our body and mind back together, and we realize that we have a body. And we have the opportunity to let go of the tension in the body. Um, and this doesn't mean that when we stop to breathe, it's not we're, we're not wasting time. We're not losing time, because we usually think that time is money. But time is more precious than money. Time is life. Time is life, and so when we come back to our, when we hear the bell and come back to our breathing and aware that we have this wonderful body, this is life. and concentration are strong, then we can see that our body is something miraculous, wondrous. It carries it with it, in it, the stars, the moon, the universe. The Mother Earth is present in our body. And we carry in our body the presence of all our ancestors. Our ancestors have never died. They continue to live in us and are present in every cells of our body. And if we are peaceful, if we are joyful, then our ancestors are also peaceful and joyful. And so the 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 first the the first breathing in, I know I have a body. Breathing out, I smile to my body. Can be very deep. Can be a deep practice. It's an awakening. We know we have a body, and that because our body is precious, we we have neglected our body, and so we 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 punish it. And now we see that it's wondrous that our our ancestors are present in our body. If we can live peaceful, calm, calmly, then our Ancestors 
can be calm and peace. This is insight. This is awakening. This awakening continues with another awakening, and so awakening is something that happens today and not in ten years or twenty years. This insight can come continuously to give us, um, give it, give us insight so that we can, we can. Um, Untie ourselves, untangle ourselves from attachments. For example, we are in a situation that entangles us. We're angry. We're sad. We're struggling. Our mind is uh, entangled with anger, uh, jealousy, sadness, and we can be in that state. Hours after hours, days after day, very pity for you. In the meanwhile, life is is very wondrous. If we only concentrate on the breathing, breathing, and see our body as wondrous, we we can see that nothing is really important. Only our peace in our body and in our mind—that's important. And this is this insight uh, can be obtained by anyone, everyone. We don't need to be a bodhisattva. We don't need to be an arahant. That any one of us can attain this insight, and that this. Anger, this frustration, this anxiety, made us um, uh, carried us in daily life. But while life is wondrous, that while we sit, we can be with our breathing. We can let go of these tensions, and we can have peace. And this peace is the most precious thing there is. Most precious thing than any any pursuit. There is really nothing important. What's important is our peace, peace in our body, peace in our mind, and this is something that we can we can attain if we can let go of the other things. And this insight, with this insight, we can let go of the other things easily, and every step of ours can bring joy. We have a body. We have two good legs. We are able to make peaceful steps on this beautiful planet. This is this is uh, this is wondrous. This is happiness. What else do we need? Well, how can we make these steps? Why can we make these steps? Because we have freedom. Because our body and mind are not entangled with anxiety, frustration, anger. We're free. Freedom is very precious, and a mindful breathing can bring a lot of freedom. Mindful steps can also bring bring us a lot of freedom, and every step brings freedom. Each step helps us to be more mind, more freedom, more free.
and that freedom is something we talk about. Is freedom is something that's real? For example, we are we are anxious about the future, or or sad or grief about the past, and we don't see the miracles in the present moment. That means that we're not free. There's some of us who are caught in the prison of the past and can't come out of it. There's some of us who are caught in the prison of the future, fear and anxious about the future. They can't come out of it. But in the meanwhile, life is beautiful. There are many miracles. And because we can't come in touch with these wonders, these miracles, because we are not free. Free. This freedom is not political freedom. Freedom is free from um, regrets, fear, anxiety of the future. And when we breathe in and bring all our mind to the in breath, then we can, then we can let go the let go of the other thing. And an in breath takes two or three seconds. And if we let go of, if we concentrate on the breathing, then, then the past uh, we can let go of the past and the future within three or four minutes uh, seconds. Because in these three or four seconds, we focus on our breathing, and everything else is released. Because concentration means uh, one pointed mind, one pointedness of mind. Tamnyakat means that the mind is concentrated on one object, one thing. This is concentration. We focus our attention on only one thing. This is tamnyakat, and nyakat. Our object is the breathing. Then, if we concentrate wholeheartedly on our our in breath, then the anxiety. Uh, for anxiety for the future, regrets for the past will will be released, and we are free. And that in in breath, that we can be free in in breath, and that we, we if we want to be free, we just c- concentrate on the in breath and out breath, and 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 we breathe in and out three minutes. Then those three minutes, we can be free. We are free, and this freedom. We have to, we have to train. We have to train to have not something that comes automatically. And when we are free, when we have this freedom, then while we are not uh, overwhelmed by our anger or anxiety, then we make the determination to practice, to to cultivate freedom. And. And when we are anxious, we are worried and angered. Then our decision during that time is not very good decision. But when we breathe, and and during the time that we're breathing, then we are free. But and during the and during this time when we're free and we make decision, then our decision are much better. And that this freedom is something that we can attain 
uh, whenever we like with the practice of breathing in mindfulness, walking in mindfulness. And first of all, we bring peace and gentleness, joy to a breathing. And then we bring this, this joy, happiness, peace to our body. That um, the, if the breathing is peaceful, then the body is peaceful. And, and from that, that solid ground, we harmonize and calm our mind. We harmonize feelings of uh, sad feeling, uh, anxiety, feeling of anxiety. And now we recognize them and calm them down. And this is the practice. These practices are, are there in the Sutra on Mindful Breathing. So when we have a, na- a, a painful feeling that surface, we have to recognize that there is a, a, a feeling of sadness in me. I embrace this feeling of suffering, of sadness in me, and I calm down the feeling of sadness in me. At first, we, we practice calming our body with um, calming our breathing and calming our, our body. And now we're practicing to recognize and, and cal- recognize and calm down our feelings. And when we are in a situation where, in an environment where many people are practicing, then we can benefit from the collective energy. And we can uh, uh, attain uh, rapid fruits in easy already an awakening. 
if you see that that is not worthy for you, while your life is is miraculous, is wondrous, that while we can have peace and and peace and 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 happiness in every step, in every breath, then we can let it go, let it fly away. Whether it's there or not, it's not important because our happiness does not depend on that. Whether we have that or not, it's not important. We know that Plum Village practice is very simple. First of all, we make use of our breathing, our steps, to generate joy and happiness. of mindfulness uh, allows us to see that there are miracles and wonders in the present moment and that we have enough conditions to to have to be joyful and happy and so generating joy peace and happiness um, is something we can do right now in this morning in right this afternoon we have to we have to be able to learn uh, to do it in order to nourish ourselves this is the art of gen- the art of happiness art of generating happiness and the second part of the practice is to to recognize the tension, the anxiety, the suffering, and calm them down. And we know that the practice of mindful breathing and mindful steps can help us to do that, to recognize and to calm down as we have done with our with our uh, our breathing with our body and so when we come to plum village we meet uh, practitioners co-practitioners 
Some people have practiced for a long time. They have experiences. And they can share with us their experiences on how to practice. Now we will learn the characteristics of seeds. <laughs> the characteristics of seeds. It's called impermanence, a millisecond impermanence. Momentary impermanence. Second because and effect coexist. is present together with the cause. The third there's a continuity. When we look up in the sky, we see the stars and moon. We have to see that there's a relationship between stars, moons, and ourselves. In science, now we sh they let us see that we are made of stars. Science says that <coughs> and this earth is about made of something else, made of dust from other stars, from other planet. And so we carry in ourselves the stars, the universe. And in the in the Bibles, it says that we're made of dust, but in truth, we're made of stars. And moons and stars, are, first of all, they're our consciousness. They're objects of our consciousness. The stars, the sun, and everything else, like the river, the mountain, all are, are, are present. 
the stars has its sign. Has its form. The flower has its、uh, sign or has its mark. And a human has has her sign or mark. So every phenomena has its sign or mark. And due to thanks to these marks and signs, that they can be recognized. The signs are that we can we can recognize are they're considered collective、um, collective、uh, mic or sign. So the mic, the sign, there's collective and individual. Svalashana is collective sign or mic. For example, when we see a cat, we hear the sound of the cat. The cat has a mic, a sign that helps us to recognize it. When we look at a house, we see that a house has its sign, and this is collective, collective sign. This collective sign, it's made of, made of、um, swalakshana is called the 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 sign as it is. Um, form in itself, and and so every、uh, every brick, every、um, pillars are elements that create a house. Those are called、um, individual sign or mark, and the same thing in our. In our in our mind, just as the moon or the stars or the rivers, they all have its signs, and then all these phenomena are from from seeds are born from the seeds. And in manifestation only teachings, we learn that there are three kinds of consciousness. The first consciousness is called a store consciousness. And the second consciousness is called manas, or.、Uh, Mentation. Thulu is mentation, and the third is called Liu Biakan.
the perception of reality of the world. And, and in it, there's the collaboration of the five sense organs, five, five sense consciousnesses. And so there are six, there are six consciousnesses. Liu uh, Bikan has six consciousness, the mind consciousness plus the five sense consciousnesses. And the lumentation of manas is the seventh, store consciousness is the eighth. And we learn that um, store consciousness is a kind of consciousness that has the capacity to maintain um, the, the universe. So the moon and stars are also in the store consciousness. The galaxy, the universe are in store consciousness. And so when we look at the moon and stars, we don't think that the moon and the stars are outside of us. They are, they are in our store consciousness. And in manifestation only teachings, it is said that store consciousness maintains three things. First, it maintains seeds and our body and the environment, the universe. And, and and strong consciousness embraces these three, and meditation is our self. Our it's a it's a perception, and the things that the body is itself. It's simple as that. When we learn store consciousness, we know that the seeds that are embraced by um, store consciousness is is uh, and these seeds are manifested uh, into uh, signs or marks. And store consciousness is the kind of consciousness that is uh, has direct perception, has correct, uh, has right and direct perception. Is the, it's a direct perception, and so the object of the object of store consciousness are things in themselves. Um, the the world as it is, and so our our base, our 
basic consciousness has the capacity to come in touch with reality as it is, the world as it is. These things in themselves can be can be understood in two in two ways. When they're when they're seeds, then they are called they are called um, uh, formless formless. In the past, it's called um, insubstantial direct uh, things in themselves, but now we call them formless uh, things in themselves. And when they are manifested into moons and stars, they are called um, the God f uh, um, things in themselves with forms, with signs. And physics now they are looking for uh, things in themselves, the fabric of reality. And there's a theory that says that the true nature of reality is called a fuse of forces. Things that they call force fields, uh, it, they're equivalent to seeds that they don't, they're not, they don't have forms. They're formless. They're ultimate reality without, without, without marks, without appearances, without signs. Ultimate reality without marks and signs. For example, H2O can it can be it can be converted to snow, rain, clouds, and that H2O is equivalent to seeds, and the clouds and the snow is equivalent to uh, it's, it represents the the. The world that we can see, this world with the moon stars, they are um, reality, reality with forms. They are, and and the seeds are the fabric that manifests these objects, these signs, and so stroke consciousness can reach the things in themselves. This is called because because it's able to see, it's able to have a right and direct perception. But manas, mentation, and and mind consciousness cannot because they are they because they cannot because they are caught in science. When we understand that, then we can understand 
the characteristics of seeds because seeds are objects of of maintaining of preserving by by store consciousness and then it's from the store uh, from the seeds that we can see the f- formations the phenomena such as moon stars rivers mountains and the so the field of field fields of forces manifest our phenomena and these are the 12 characteristics of seeds that that um that um, they stem from the six characteristics, traditional uh, characteristics of seeds, but they go f- further. That the first one is that uh, seeds are always changing momentarily. It goes through life and death through every uh, millisecond. Uh, the old term that is used is called shakna yik, dying in every millisecond. We don't use the word yik, which is dying, but we use impermanence. Because life and death is, birth and death is only on the surface. But deep down in its true nature, there's no, there's no birth and death. Just like when we're doing a chemical experiment, we we put several chemi- chemical elements together and when these elements come together it creates a reaction perhaps the original elements are no longer there they collaborate they they work with the other elements and the original elements are no longer there it's as if the elements have died but dying is um it's not from some nothing into from something to nothing. For example, we use uh, we squeeze a lemon into salt, and we see we see that the, the salt um, is no longer there. It is, but the salt is not dead. And after this chemical reaction, they count. The number, the number of of uh, of particles. Uh, they count the number of chemical, and that the, it remains the same as before, and that it's not dead. It's just changed form. Just like when we are five years old, we were very small. Now we asked, "Where's the five-year-old child?" Has she died? If she, we say she's dead, then it's not right. Even though we no longer see her, but she's not dead. She only changes. She only changes to a twelve-year-old girl, and she changes to an eighteen-year-old person. This is not called. Uh, this is called um, um, momentary impermanence. That is. Yeah changing in milliseconds and then in its nature there's no birth and no death there's only uh, impermanence changing and so store consciousness the seeds of in the store consciousness 
the seeds are still consciousness maintained. That if it is uh, impermanent, it's momentary, impermanent. Then store consciousness is also momentary, impermanent. And so, and so the characteristic of 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 store consciousness that is changing continuously, changing in a series, is changing, but it still maintains its identity. Hang. That it maintains its, uh, it maintains itself, and trying is to to change in every millisecond. But it it uh, it, mm. and so imper- impermanent, momentary, impermanent is is um, is changing. And the third characteristic that there is a continuation, then it's hung. Always continue as a series. Because store consciousness has a very good name. It has several names, and one of its name is called um, Store of All Seeds Foundation. Oh, yeah, a Store of All Seeds. It's a consciousness that 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 contains all kinds of seeds. In in Sanskrit is savabija, savabijaga. So, store consciousness is seeds, and seeds can manifest into different forms. So the first characteristic of of seeds as well as uh, store consciousness is that it's momentary, impermanent, and the second is that the fruit, um, the fr- the fruit are present with the 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 cause. The effect is present with the cause. This is a non-dualistic view of cause and effect. If we say that God is uh, the creator and uh, create, creates the universe, that the God is the creator and the universe is the created, and that if we take God out of the universe, then it's not possible. We cannot take the creator out of the created, or the created out of the creator. For example, we say, the father gives birth to a child, and that we can take the father out of the child, the child out of the father, to be two separate entity. That is not correct, because in the father there is the son, and in the son there is the father. And if we take the father out of the son, then there is no child, and this is called cause and effect exists at the same time. 
in each other. And so the seeds and the, the formation, uh, the formation which are the moon, the stars, sometimes they're called uh, formations, Han, Samskara in Sanskrit. This board is also a formation. The tree is also a formation. The piece of paper is formation. It has its sign, its mark, and it's uh, all manifested from the seeds. And so these seeds give birth to formation. And when we look at the formation, we can see the seeds in it. This is called Kwakahu. Cause and effect coexist. They exist together with their causes. And now we go to the fourth is the undetermined nature. This is this is um, this is a change from the traditional uh, characteristics of of seeds in the traditional of characteristics it's called tanquiden tan is the nature and this nature is on the perspective of of um, of ethics whether they're wholesome or unwholesome, the good or the the good or the bad, good or evil. And so, in tr- in traditional characteristics, it says that that the seeds are able to maintain its characteristic of whether wholesome or unwholesome. But in Plum Village, we discovered the truth that the seeds in the store consciousness are neither wholesome nor unwholesome. That because store consciousness is undetermined, store consciousness is unobstructed, uncovered, and undetermined. Um, Tang is full, unobstructed, and Voki is undetermined. And so to say that the seed has the its uh, its characteristic of wholesome and unwholesome is incorrect. That the characteristic of a seed is also undetermined. Wholesome or unwholesome is the creation of of uh, of man of human, not of nature. For example, the flower. We see that the flower is very gentle. We we tend to say that the flower is good. We say rice or grains are good. But on on earth, 
Apart from flowers and grains, there are other things such as the nettles, the stinky nettles, or poison oak. And we characterize them as unwholesome, as evil. But that's from the perspective of humans, uh, human thinking. But its nature, the nature of a flower or of the poison oak is neither wholesome or unwholesome. Uh, that our, our thinking, our perception can, can label it good or bad, good or evil. But in truth, in fact, the reality of everything is neither unwholesome nor wholesome. And when we talk about God, we always put God on the side of goodness. And and uh, being, and we 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 put God down. We lower God, the status of God, because God is the ultimate reality. It, it, then, it if God is the ultimate reality, then it transcends the notion of good and evil, wholesome and unwholesome. If, if God is, is on the side of good, then why are there phenomena uh, such as uh, earthquake, tsunami, or or uh, animals eating one another? They're not very uh, wholesome. Things that we see can 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 really can really create suffering for us. So in 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 nature, when there are things that when we look at, can create suffering for us. So is this God also creating these things too? So God transcends notions of good and evil. And usually we say that God is good, goodness, and but God. Is uh, transcends. Um, it's the ultimate reality, and it transcends good and and evil. And so, store consciousness is also the same. It's undetermined. Then the seeds in the store consciousness are also undetermined. People uh, seek seeds that are. Good for us. That brings benefits, well-being, goodness to us. And so we continue to grow, to sow these seeds, and so we call them good seeds. And they avoid seeds that can bring suffering and pain, and we consider them unwholesome. And so the idea of wholesome and unwholesome belongs to the creation. Uh, of humans and not of nature, because it is um, undetermined. Then we can consider, we can consider them. Then they can be wholesome or unwholesome. So that's the fourth characteristic. The fifth characteristic of the seeds is that they wait for conditions. They have to have enough conditions to manifest. Rain or sun, 
flowers or weeds, butterflies, all these, they need, they wait, they await enough conditions to manifest. It's called interdependent co-arising. That six is um, neither neither outside. Why? It's neither being or non-being. The stars that we see, they may not be existing. If they don't exist, how can we see them? But our perception is very funny. There are stars that we can see, but they may have already extinct thousands, millions of years ago. But we are only beginning to see them. So if we say that they are existing or not existing, they're not correct. Uh, according to the definition of being, that it has to have a substance. That to be means also only to be. It cannot be non-being. A non-being, a non-being can only be non-being. It cannot become being. And according to this understanding, there's nothing that has um, has a substance, has its own substance. And like this flower has many conditions come together to manifest it, that it has doesn't have a self nature. We can say that if we say that it exists, it's then it's incorrect. If we say if it doesn't exist, then it's not correct either. And so all phenomena, including from from the stars, moons to the rivers and mountains, when we look deeply, we see that its nature is neither being nor non-being. And this is, and this um, this this insight, this view is un, is confirmed by the sutra. Cast, Katiana Sutra, where the Buddha say that the right view, right view, is a view that transcends being and non-being. To be or not to be, that is not the question. And this is a very deep teachings. The idea of being and non-being are just notions. Reality transcends notions of being and non-being. If we label God as being, uh, it's very sad for him. But if we label God as non-being, it's also sad for him, for God. Because these ideas are just notions. And so, the seeds and as well as all the formations are neither being nor non-being. But and if the scientists can want to prove that, they can prove it. And right view, according to the Buddha, is a view that. It's a correct view, and this, according to this correct view, being and non.
jumping are two categories. Uh, mental categories. The mental categories. They are not. Uh, they cannot be applied to reality. In and out, inside and outside. If we say that the seats are inside, and there's seats that are outside, that incorrect, because inside and outside are also notions. For example, if we say that the stars and moons that we see are outside or inside us, and our normal way of seeing, we say that the stars and moon are outside of us. But in manifestationally teachings, we say that that um, stars and moons are also part of the, uh, the are in the store consciousness. So to say that they are inside or outside, they are co- it's incorrect. We say that store consciousness, uh, we say that consciousness is something subjective that goes outside to understand the objective nature out there. And there's the inside and there's the outside. And this view, according to manifestation only teaching, is incorrect because um, seeds as well as formation transcends notions of inside and outside. It can also see, it can also, um, it can also say that that the subject and object cannot exist um, separately. <coughs> the subject um, being subject, subjective and objective, do we have to take the subject and object out, the idea of subject and object outside for us to really understand what the seeds are? They're neither inside nor outside. And so when we say that uh, phenomena are in, in, in consciousness or outside of in, our perception or outside of perception, they're both incorrect. If we say that uh, phenomena are in our mind, then it's called mind only. And that if we say that they're outside, then their idea of material, materiality. The eight is neither new or old. Because we think that there are seeds that are already, uh, that are innate and seeds that are just planted. This is, this is the old manifestation teachings only um, belief. It's called that seeds are innate and seeds are newly planted, newly learned or newly planted. So seeds, um, they're just newly planted or newly learned. 
In fact, there is no new nor old, neither birth nor death. Just, just as in physics, we talk about matter and energy. There, there's a law called the conservation of energy. It tells us that there's nothing new and nothing old. That it goes in cycle. It transforms. Nothing is new, nothing is old. Matters in one form can transform into a different form. Matter can become energy. Energy can be in one form and transform into another form of energy. And energy can become matter. And science found out that Matter and energy are neither neither born nor die nor dead. You cannot generate. You cannot. You cannot create create energy or matter, or you cannot、uh, destroy matter or energy. You can only transform matter from one matter to another, matter into energy. And one energy into another, an energy into matter, but you can we cannot、uh, eliminate and destroy it,、uh, nor create them. This is the first law of、um, thermodynamics. Science、uh, have begun to see this, to see that the true nature of phenomena is neither new nor old. Neither born nor numbered <laughs> death. <laughs> so,、um, in and out, in and out, it's the same guys. So, in a play, one person can play many roles, and he comes in one role, and then he comes in again in a different role. So, nim then peer nor impeer are our ideas. And they cannot be described reality.、Um, neither peer nor impeer is the same as、uh, non-leaking and non-leaking. Uh, we we learned this in the Heart Sutra that the nature of Afana is neither coming or going. Um. Uh, defile or immaculate. The the lotus can become the mud, and mud can become lotus. Suffering can can be used to generate happiness, and if we don't know how to.、Uh, To nourish happiness, it becomes suffering, and so everything has an organic nature.、Um, 
undetermined nature also means you know uh, means organic nature. The tenth, they're neither the same nor different. No sameness, no otherness. You are young. You are young, girl, twenty. When you were three, a three-year-old, and a a young woman of twenty, are one. Or two different people. We cannot say it's one person because they're so different. A child of three and a young woman of twenty very different. But if we can, but if we say that they're two separate people, that is not true either. So reality is neither same nor uh, or different. Eleven is neither coming nor going. No coming, no going. We we usually ask, "Who are you? What are you doing here? Why are you born into this world?" So, being born is coming. Why are you dying? Why do you leave me? So in our head, we have the idea of coming and going. I come, and I will go. But reality, there's no going, no coming, and no going. No uh, collective. No individual. Neither individual nor collective. This is the idea. This is this is this is the idea of collective and individual. That there's nothing is that is collective. Nothing is individual. This body of ours is not a body. It's not our separate body. It's a it's a continuation of our parents' body, our ancestors' body. If we say that this is my body, I want to do what I I want to I want to do with whatever I, I want, and because this is not a separate body, but it's neither. It's neither individual nor neither collective. If we say that because of my peace and joy, or my suffering has to do with other people, so if we say that this is my problem has nothing to do with you, then it's not right. Because if we live in a family, in a community, if if you're happy. If you can smile, then this is—it's not just for you, but everyone, your family, the community can benefit from it. And so, 
Your nature is neither individual nor collective, and the nature of all phenomena that everything influences everything else. For example, our optic 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 nerves. It's it there there our individual. It's our own problem. But it's not. But it's not just individual. Because when your eyes are like that, and you're a driver, it affects my life. And so your eyes are also our all our eyes. And to be exact, this, these seeds, as well as all phenomena that are manifested from the seeds, are neither individual nor collective. <coughs> And so, still consciousness, it's, um, it has right and correct, um, direct perception. It has the ultimate reality. So, it has the, amanas, as well as mind, mind uh, consciousness has ideas of inside, outside of cause and effect, of going, of coming, of going, and it creates a lot of suffering. So it needs to practice so that it has a way thinking that can bring us happiness. So this, the manas and and manifest um, mind consciousness are, are consciousness that need to be transformed where store consciousness is already perfect, it does not need to be transformed. And this is the f our ground, our foundation. If we want to call it God, then it's okay. If we call it suchness, it's okay. But it's neither, it's neither individual nor collective. Uh, store consciousness is neither collective nor uh, individual. If we ask, each one of us have our uh, separate individual uh, soul consciousness, that is not correct. But if we say we have a collective soul consciousness, that's incorrect either, because the idea of individual and collective are in our head. Reality transcends um, individual and collective. We will continue this Sunday. Next Sunday.